on to the Treasures Within podcast. I'm your host, Jojo G, success coach and multi-passionate creative. If your goal is to create a business and life from your passions, plural, this show is for you. Join me every week to learn the mindset shifts, business strategies and creative habits that empower you to fulfill your calling, master your mindset and blast through the limiting beliefs that keep you stuck and broke so you can build a thriving business from your passions and enjoy more freedom and abundance in your life. Remember, the world needs all your gifts, not just one. Hello, welcome to the Treasures Within podcast. My guest today is Jonathan Tucker, the founder of The Purpose Cycle and also podcast host, teacher and life coach who supports people in finding their purpose and realizing their full potential. After struggling for years with low self-esteem, a victim mindset and mental health issues that would affect every aspect of his life, from relationships to finances to health, he realized he was in the beginning stages of the purpose cycle. Dividing life into seasons gave him a sense of direction and helped him find strategies to create a better purposeful life. Jonathan has now been doing massive work and practicing with the preaches for more than a decade and now he's sharing everything he learned in his coaching practice, his podcast and his book called The Purpose Cycle to empower people to find their purpose and go on a path to be the best version of themselves. In this interview, Jonathan talks about the different stages of the purpose cycle, how to find out your purpose when you are more passionate and lots more. Let's dive in. Welcome, Jonathan. I am so excited to have you on today and talk about the purpose cycle and to hear more about your story. So can you tell our listeners a bit more about who you are and how you came to this work? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you, Georgia, for having me on. And hello, everybody. Um, yeah. So my name is Jonathan Tucker. I am a author and teacher from Hull, which is in the eastern part of England. And I came up about the purpose cycle through kind of experience really and, and not trial and error as such, but but more of an epiphany. And that came during the first UK lockdown in March 2020. And a lot of people were staying at home and, and I was a very active person. And I still am to this day. And I, I struggled without having that physical activity, being able to go out as much as I like to go outside and enjoy the outdoors. So I was alone with my thoughts quite a lot. And I was always quite physically fit, but what I never understood was that I lacked mental fitness and that kind of understanding of, of mental health as a, in a way. So, so when I was really struggling, I started to turn to reading because that was something that I had to do a little bit of in my job, but I teach primary school. So I always read children's books uh, to help me with my teaching uh, and what I was covering. So I never had time to read the books that would interest me. And as I delved deeper into self-development, I realized that actually I could take these process and run with it because when I was... 18, uh, I began to read self-development books, but I fell kind of off the off the wagon at some point and didn't read as much as I wanted to. I always felt that was because self-help books traditionally stretch from A to B. You know, it was a road, it was a process, but when you got to the destination, that was it. You were complete with the book and they just gathered dust on my shelf. So I wanted to create an idea that would be a cycle and something that would be applicable 
through all areas of life and something that you would be able to pick up and put down and pick up and put down. And that is where the purpose cycle came in uh, and finding that purpose and direction, because I believe that when we all were in that situation in lockdown, we were holding that mirror up to our faces and, and looking at ourselves into our souls and thinking, right, is this really what I want to do? And a lot of people are, they call it the great resignation at the moment, aren't they? People are resigning from jobs and chasing their passions and dreams because that was what lockdown has helped them realize that there's more to life than just going to work every day and doing that Monday to Friday. So that's where the idea came from. And it was basically me writing a self-help book to myself and it's kind of grown from there really. Well, I love this idea of you know writing what writing for yourself as well, writing what you needed and couldn't find. And I sort of led to the lockdown being, you know, like a wake up call for everyone. Because for me as well, I was I was doing skincare before the first lockdown for the pandemic. And then when lockdown happened, it really made me reevaluate my life and it brought me into coaching. So for you, like what is this process? When you created the purpose cycle, can you walk us through the process and different phases because it has five phases right yes yes so the five phases of the purpose cycle and like i said before they they restart and they go in, in that cycle element so it all begins with an aspiration so we we have this idea and quite a lot of the time the aspiration is taken from something external we see something and we think oh that would be quite nice uh, and whether that's you know personal success from people um you know, for example, you look at some of the charitable success that Captain Tom had uh, in the UK. He was a, a former uh, military veteran who raised millions of pounds for the NHS. That kind of, you know, having a goal and going to achieve it. Or it, it could be something when we're a little bit younger and maybe we don't understand life as much. It could be that materialistic goal. It's seeing, you know, Instagram's quite dangerous one for this and seeing, you know, the cars or, you know, the holidays and what people have and thinking more along those lines. But we have an aspiration and it is, you know, something that we want to dream of and want to pursue and chase. And then that quickly goes into the realisation phase. And I break the realisation down into further parts, but to summarise it, basically, it's that, that again, looking at yourself moment and thinking, can I, am I capable of achieving, you know, can I raise a multi-million pound business? Can I do this marathon? Can I, you know, lose this weight or whatever it is that you want you to do and understanding that actually there is a process behind it. We can't just click our fingers and become overnight successes. And it might actually be an evaluation as well, a realization of the people around us, how we equipped with the people around us to be able to drive forward and succeed, or do we have to maybe change our circle around us? And um, the next stage after the realization stage is the initiation. And this is the part where we begin. A lot of people think journey starts with the first step whether it's setting up that Instagram account for the business or going for that first run. But actually there's the two stages before that, because there's a lot of thinking involved and planning involved before actually embarking on a journey. So the initiation phase is quite simple. It's all about beginning and taking that big dive into the unknown. And following that is the creation phase. And the creation phase is that day-to-day. -day. So it's, it has to be consistent over time and you have to show up every day to make sure that you are acting in alignment with your future self. And that ends with the fruition phase. And the fruition phase is reaping the rewards from what you have gathered from all of those other elements of the cycle and putting it all together and, and receiving that reward 
or in some cases not receiving that reward because we might not get the results that we expect because we may not have acted in alignment with our future selves the whole way through. But what happens is from that fruition phase, the great thing is there's always an aspiration that stems from that and it begins again. So it, it continues in the cycle. I, I love the, what, what I love about the cycle is that it is cyclical because I said before, sometimes it feels like there is an end goal. You end up there and you realize that maybe it doesn't make you as happy as you were thinking or that it's not the right thing for you. So I like this idea that you're always going back and you can start again at any time. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Because essentially we might want something that somebody else has, but or we might think we want something that somebody else has, but then it begins and we think actually this isn't for us. Uh, or on the other hand, it might be the case where, you know, parents have encouraged you to go to university and get that degree that you don't really want to use, or, you know, you end up falling into a job that you don't like. And, and that's because you feel like obliged to work. So all of these factors filter in when you find your true self. But the only reason and the only way that you can find your true self is by undergoing these experiences. So it's all about trying to build that relationship with failure for me. I always felt like in the past, I maybe shied away from situations that were challenging because I would assume that I didn't want to do those things. But actually by going through these experiences, you learn a great deal about yourself and it helps you. Yes, it's actually fine and okay to restart and, and start again somewhere else and take another journey. As long as you've had the experience to understand that it's not for you. It's kind of that try before you buy in a way. It's making sure that you can experience something before deciding. Um, but I always say to people, you know, just have a go at it because what's the worst that can happen? You know, the, the, the best that can happen is that it is hugely successful for you, but the worst that can happen is maybe it doesn't work out, but you've learned a great deal about yourself. Well, that is so true. And talking about quote unquote failing, is there a failure that set you up for a success? Uh, there's the, I'd like to, and, and not in a negative way, I'd like to say there's been quite a lot of failures, um, it, whether it be quite small or minute, you know, something might not work out the way I wanted to, uh, but there's also pretty big failures as well. And well, in the in the context at the time, it, it felt massive. But when you look back on it, actually, it sets you up uh, for for a lot of success. Uh, and for me, one of those I talk about in the book, I go through three different times in my life when I've experienced purpose cycles. And for me, one of the main things was was university. And I went and did a, a sports degree, which I was I was always passionate about sport fascinated with learning about sports science um, and then I, I kind of got into a crowd of, of friends that weren't really acting in alignment with my goals uh, for a couple of years I aspired I had the aspiration to be socially accepted uh, and to be a part of this group and then I went away for a year and, and did some came back home and, and just did some reflection um, I got a job and continued my studies and then when I went back up there a new version of me arrived, but I wasn't accepted by that, by that group anymore. And that was maybe at the time a failure because I felt like I'd lost my friends. I felt like I wasn't accepted. I felt like a failure, but actually it turned out to be a huge success for me in the end because I was able to adapt my way of thinking and change my circle and, and embark on a new path. And, and in that university phase anyway, there was many failures. I, I had to retake my my third year, which felt catastrophic at the time um, because I failed my dissertation. 
and and to go from failing a, a dissertation to writing a, a fifty thousand word book, you know, there's there has to be that learning there. If if that wouldn't have happened in the past, I wouldn't have been able to publish as an author, author today. So, yeah, you know, you got to just take the rough with the smooth and accept that. And and there's been many times. In, in recent years as a, as a teacher that I've had maybe lessons that didn't go to plan or job interviews that I didn't get, but it's all for the greater good. Yeah, I always think that when something doesn't work out because there is something even better that is waiting for us. And going back to the uh, cyclical nature of the process, because yes, there is like sometimes start a game because it doesn't work out, but for more passionate, and creative sometimes you know you just outgrow something and that's why you need to start again because you just yeah you, you achieve what done your book you done your podcast you done your business and then you want to start again with a new book with a new business with a new face so it's it's reassuring to know that you can always start again and your purpose evolves with you yeah and, and obviously you may get that fruition a little bit earlier than you anticipated so it's time to rebuild and, and level up in a way because uh, i call it leveling up because it's almost like a video game you've completed that level it's time to start the next level and, and the next level is always slightly more challenging than the last one but you've built the blocks from the journey that you're on now so you can embark on the next one with greater I would say momentum in a way and, and starting again is really important because if you complete your journey and you, you know, you decide, Oh, I want to build a business and I want to have X amount of clients and you get that within the first year, what are you going to do for the next, you know, 10, 20 years? You, you've, if you've already feel like you've reached the mountaintop and you've reached the summit, then you aren't going to achieve your full potential. And some people, they may enjoy that. And they may feel like, oh, well, I've done everything that I need to do now and that's it. But you're not equipped for the other experiences and challenges that life throws at you. So you've always got to uh, keep leveling up. And, and there's a, a quote in the book from Matthew McConaughey. And he says about chasing your hero and chasing your hero for him meant Matthew McConaughey in 10 years time. He was chasing himself in 10 years time. And, and he would say he would never get to his hero because his hero was always 10 years ahead of him and he was always succeeding more. So he never quite, he knew he would never reach his hero, but it kept him pursuing something for his entire life. Well, that is a beautiful concept. Uh, I agree there is always a next level. So it's not about, I mean, not being okay with where you are right now, but knowing that there is always opportunity for growth and to achieve more dreams, that's what life is. It's constant growing, constant growth and constant evolution. But for more passionate, the thing that I see many of them getting stuck with, it's in the very initial phase because they have so many passions and so many ideas and they are worried about which is the right one to pursue. So what advice would you give to a more passionate who knows that they want to do something but they are not quite sure what it is. How do you find your purpose when you're multi-passionate? Now, I have to admit, I have struggled with this myself, being a multi-passionate and having so many projects on the go at one time. And, you know, if you think about how you can streamline yourself, a lot of people think that streamlining is just focusing on one thing and discard the universe. But actually, as a multi-passionate, we know that we're not able to do that. So streamlining for us would be slightly different. It would be designating time accurately to making sure that you can focus on a certain aspect 
on a certain day. But it might be that Monday is your YouTube day where you're thinking about your content and you're creating something. And Tuesday is your networking, social media, whatever it is. And, and you, you designate your time and allocate it accordingly that you're able to do it. Because as a, as a school teacher myself, I am full-time. I'm working you know, above and beyond the hours that we're spending in the classroom, weekends and evenings. And you know, a lot of people are saying in my profession, how on earth do you manage to take these projects on? But if you're passionate about something, then you will have the drive to do it. So Simon Sinek, a famous business speaker, says that something that we work for that we don't care about is called stress, but something that we work for that we do care about is called passion. And that helps drive you uh, to reach your goals ultimately. And uh, I, I digressed a bit for the second part of the question, George, so you're going to have to remind me of the second part. But yes, yeah, streamlining is something that I really wanted to mention to uh, the listeners. Absolutely. I, th I think, again, it's so important to know that you don't have to do everything at once and that uh, you can keep something separate, you can have your own business and you can keep some things just for your free time. And the original question was, like, when you're multi-passionate and you are trying to make the distinction between, okay, what do I pursue professionally? What do I pursue my free time? How do you know when you have so many interests, what your purpose is right now? I, I find out by just going for it. And, and, you know, if something doesn't necessarily work out, I, I know that I've learned for the next thing. So, for example, before I started the Purpose Cycle, I knew that one day I would do something like this. I would create some meaningful content. And I never really thought it would get to a book, but I wanted to create a meaningful podcast and, and some content that way. So I began to I launched a YouTube channel for um, golf because I'm very passionate about playing golf. And I knew that if I launched a golf YouTube, I could have all of the skills that I needed to create videos and gain an audience. I knew it wasn't a long-term project, but I could build the experience. So what I would say to people is don't be afraid to fail because I was very, um, I was very open to this golf YouTube channel, not getting a million subscribers and not getting me a, a lot of golf brand deals because I knew I was building something bigger. So if you know that one day you want to build um, to your perfect idea, Start now in honing the skills. So start building YouTube platforms, building your social media, you know, start a social media page about travel, for example, because then you could build up to, you can gain that audience, you can understand what it's like to engage with your audience, and then you can build it towards your business because you've had the experience of doing it as a, almost as a hobby. And people need to be prepared to not have that instant gratification. You're not going to get the results. You're not going to become a millionaire overnight. You need to build things over a long period of time and expect that delayed gratification, which is what I did with the YouTube. I knew that I wasn't going to get X, Y, and Z from just doing that, but I needed to do the skills because I knew that I wasn't very good at it. So dive into something that you're not particularly confident in being skillful at, and then develop your skills further because that's the only way that we learn how to do it. You can watch a million YouTube videos, listen to a million podcasts about how to do something, but unless you do it and maybe overcome some challenges along the way, that's the only way you're going to grow. Absolutely. So, I mean, I know it is very important, but if we don't implement it, then it really don't, doesn't have very much value. And I love what you're saying to just get started because, yeah, we expect all these certifications and results and it can be disappointing but on the other hand 
when you're starting out, it really gives you the opportunity to build the skills without anyone watching. So you can fail, you make mistakes and knowing that you're getting better. But again, you're, you're not failing in front of the entire world. And that's for me at the beginning was, it, it was very refreshing, very reassuring to know that, okay, I can, uh, I can start small, I can get better. And that's when the results are going to come. Indeed. And, and the hardest part, is that part when your friends, your family begin to find out what it is that you're doing. So that first, the first phase, you know, it's relatively quiet. You can hone in on your skills. You can build some pages unless you go announcing it to the world. However, it's, you know, people start to get wind of what you're doing and start to it really start to pick up a bit of traction. And you may feel like the spotlight's on you a little bit more. And that was the scariest part for me. I had my book ready to go to print. And I was, I was so tentative about saying to people, look, this is happening soon. But I think a lot of the time we we play up people's reactions as well. We sometimes go, you know, they're going to hate it this or they're going to ridicule me. When actually, yes, that might be the case for some people, but most people are kind and most people are supportive. And, and if you've got a good circle around you, the good nature of those people will be able to support you. And it doesn't, you know, you should have that open, um, I would say, conversation with them you know let me know if this isn't great or let me know if i can improve you know if you if it is going if i am going to fail please be there to support me and be vulnerable because then that will help you know ease the pressure on yourself you won't feel like there's so much riding on it if this book doesn't sell i was worried that i was going to release the book and no one's going to buy it and but i end up having that acceptance of going look that could happen but it probably won't a lot of people, we build up, we catastrophize the situation in our heads. You know, this could all go so wrong. You know, no one will listen to my podcast or uh, my website won't get any clicks. I won't sell any of my products. But yeah, that could happen. But what if it doesn't? It's very much more likely that it will happen. You will get a purchaser. You will get listeners. So enjoy that part. Enjoy the process and enjoy diving into the unknown because it feels great afterwards. Thank you for being so vulnerable. And I think what you, what you mentioned about, you know, being scared of telling people is something that, you know, was stopping me, stopping most of my clients, most of the people that I know, because it is, it is vulnerable to tell friends and family and strangers what you do, because you are afraid that you're going to get criticized. In my experience, like I put off promoting myself on Facebook because that's where all my friends were and I thought what if I'm gonna get ridiculed what if they make fun of me but when I actually did everyone was so supportive what you said about having supportive people around you it was so important because these fears they are all in our heads and the I, I believe that even when we find our purpose even when we know okay this is the thing that I want to do today we took ourselves out of them because of all these irrational fears. So do you have any advice of how you can push forward when those negative scenarios are running into your brain? Yes, well, imposter syndrome is something that really resonates with me because I've suffered imposter syndrome a lot. I think we all have. I think all of the listeners to this podcast as multi-passionate at some point will have had imposter syndrome because they feel like they, they're in a place where they don't belong and they get those fears of telling people and they feel like you know I can't say that I'm now a, a life coach because people might 
ridicule me for that or whatever it is. But you need to understand that it's great to have imposter syndrome because it means that you're challenging yourself. If you're in a situation where you haven't got imposter syndrome, then you're clearly not out of your comfort zone. So you're not going to grow. And what I would say is you can only control the controllables is, is a, a, a phase, a phrase, sorry, that, that gets thrown around a lot. So write everything down that worries you on paper. Every single bullet point, what is worrying you? What might, what are the permutations? What do you think will happen? And then cross out anything that you can't control. So you can't control to a certain extent the reactions of other people. You can't control X, Y, and Z. And then you'll be left with a list of things that you can control. And you think, right, well, I'm going to work at those things. I'm going to get those things done. And I'm going to take ownership of the situation because at the end of the day, when you take full ownership over the things that you can control and we don't blame other people, it's liberating. It's initially terrifying, but it gets a lot, it gets a lot more comforting and it makes you feel a lot better about your journey. And, and for me, it, you know, that first day of feeling responsible was really frightening because I was like, wow, it's down to me. But then I was like, wow, it's down to me. And it just felt great. So, yeah, I understand where a lot of listeners may come from. A lot of people might think, you know, like the story I said earlier, I failed my dissertation. How on earth am I qualified to, to write a book? We go through learning phases in our life. I wouldn't have been able to write a book 10 years ago, but now I can. And, and I'm planning on writing a second and third because I believe that I can do better. I had to make sure that I was 100% comfortable with my book being rubbish. And I, I'm not trying, I'm not doing a, a dodgy sales pitch and saying that it's not very good. Uh, hopefully it is, but I was prepared for it to be rubbish because I knew that I had to do it. I had to get this goal done. I had to release something. And then I realized that I can control the content and I, I worked and worked and worked to make it the best that it could be. And that is the part that's liberating. So if you have a product at the moment and you're really scared about sending it out, Write all the things that you can control about that product because you can refine it and you can hone it in. And then you will be prepared for that product to fail and not sell. Because if you're prepared for that and you accept that that could happen, you will make sure you do everything in your power to make sure that doesn't happen. Think about all of the, you know, your Elon Musk and your Jeff Bezos. They didn't just think of Amazon off the top of their head, didn't think of Tesla. They had many different products that they had before and ideas that may not have worked, but they found their Amazon, they found their Tesla. So it's about you finding your thing. And by having multiple things as multi-passionates, you are more likely than the average person to find your purpose. Well, that is such great uh, particular advice. So you mentioned, again, imposter syndrome, which I definitely suffer from. Everyone that I know suffers from. And uh, for multi-passionates in particular, this seems to come from being told that we are jack of all trades and master of none, when the full quote is actually jack of all trades, master of none, but oftentimes better than master of one. But the point that I'm trying to make is that we are taught, we are told that it is a weakness to be an expert in many things. We should be an expert in only one thing, when actually that's our strength. That's why we have so much to give the world. And in your book, you talk about your weaknesses into strengths 
So can you talk more about that and maybe give an example from your life about something you considered a weakness, but it turned out to be a strength for you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the quote. And yeah, I, it was only about a year ago that I found out the full quote. Uh, and it's very much hidden from society, isn't it? A lot of people think that Jack of all trades, master of none is the full quote. And it's it, there's such a negative stigma around it. In business, you have to wear so many hats. So they talk about you know a, a large proportion of businesses failing in the first year. That's because we're taught to have one thing that we're good at. So most of most of the time, these people who start businesses will be very, very good at, you know, whether it's being an electrician or whether it's, you know, designing clothing garments, but they won't have the social media knowledge or the accountancy knowledge. But these multi-passionates were more prepared to go out and learn those skills and refine them. And it's more likely, you know, that you have the ability to wear those different hats and succeed. And for me, one of those things that I was really struggling with was public speaking. I was really terrible because I would get such terrible nerves, anxiety over speaking publicly in front of people. So that was a major weakness for me, but I knew that I could control it. So I knew that I had to turn that into my strengths. And when I began my teaching journey, I had to stand up and, it, you know, for some people, this might be easy. But I had to stand up in front of 30 small people every single, every single day and teach them the way of the world. And, and they would listen to everything that I would say. And to be really nervous at that, that was, you know, something that I needed to work on. And we used to do assemblies at school. So there used to be, you know, the three, 400 children in the school and we would, we would get up and give our assembly presentation. It's almost like a Ted talk, but for children, you know, in, in the school hall. And that was something that I would build up every single week in my mind and think it's that time again. And I would get you know, clammy hands, my heart rate would go nuts. I would almost like want to run out of there, but I knew that I couldn't, I felt glued to the chair. And I felt like I spoke so fast when it was my turn that I didn't think any of the children heard me. So I was like, right, it's time to turn this into a strength. So obviously you and I connected on a, podca a podcasting platform. I managed to book myself onto a range of podcasts. I attended lots of job interviews. I went into situations where I knew I would have to speak publicly and I knew that it would scare me. And eventually the, the fear has gone away. It, well, I, I, I just lied there. So the fear hasn't completely gone away. I got quite nervous, you know, 10, 15 minutes before this podcast, but it's great to be nervous. It's great to dive into that fear, use it as positive energy, because now I'm speaking to you, you know, I'm giving long answers. I wouldn't have been able to do this three, four, five years ago. So Yes, it doesn't completely go away, but you learn to become at ease with the fear and you learn to use it as positive energy and you turn that weakness into a strength. And, and that's why I don't get worried about it anymore. I know the symptoms, heart rate increases, clammy hands, get restless. Yes, that there's a symptoms of anxiety, but symptoms of excitement, clammy hands, faster heart rate, getting restless. I'm excited to do this. If you reframe it in your mind and you say, I can't wait to go on that podcast. I can't wait to give that assembly. Then you would feel a lot better about doing the activity. Oh, I love that. We have taught that if you are afraid of something, then it is dangerous and you should avoid it. But actually, the only way to get the fear is to just do the thing that actually scares you because the more you run away the more the fear grows but when you actually face your fears then it becomes smaller it never really goes away 
you learn to manage it and to reflect in your mind, as I said, when you feel the same in the body, just the way that you think about it that allows you to push forward and do. And so when you think about you know, reframing beliefs uh, or uh, uh, what habit or belief has improved your life the most in the past three years? So good question. A lot of the beliefs uh, have been reframed from habits. So I've used habits to drive forward beliefs and it's more of that self-belief and, and having that self-awareness as well of understanding where you are in your journey and trusting that because you're not going to have everything figured out all of the time. You're not going to be spin uh, as a multi-passionate as well. You're not going to be, be able to spin every plate 100% well all of the time. There's times where you might have to go to certain things and focus on one project more than the other. I would say my main habit is embracing two things, getting up early and also embracing cold water therapy. That's been a life changer for me. Uh, and the reason is because I used to get up, uh, I used to get up relatively early anyway. I used to get up at six o'clock in the morning um, because I set off to work uh, just before seven o'clock. So I'm, I'm, at, I'm, at, I'm in my school from around seven o'clock until about five o'clock every day. So I was always spending quite a lot of time at work. But I, and I thought that was early. Um, however, I never really had the time to do anything else to pursue other passions and projects. But I'd go to bed at 10, 11 o'clock at night. So I had to reflect and think, well, actually, what am I doing in that final hour or two? I'm just scrolling through my phone. I'm watching TV. I'm not really doing anything productive. Let's try and flip it on its head. Get up at five, go to bed an hour earlier. And I found myself way more productive I was insanely more productive and even to the point where I would leave school, my my job a little bit earlier because I had so much done in the morning. So getting up early was such a game changer. And I want to embed journaling a little bit more into that now. Um, journaling as and when and sporadically, but I want to make sure I'm consistent with that because I only really journal when I feel like I need to work on my mindset. But I want to do it even when I'm at the top of my game to keep consistent. Uh, and the cold water therapy was something, ooh, last year was a New Year's resolution, do a month of, of cold showers. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I could do it. I managed to do the month. And I felt great because you know what? I hate it. I hate doing, getting in cold water, especially in January. It is, oh, it's awful. But after about 10, 15 seconds, it feels fine. And it's bearable just about and then when I get out I feel amazing I feel like I've conquered my mind my mind's told me don't do it you like you said we like to be comfortable we want to stay away from danger don't do it don't do it John stay out get warm you know da, da, da. I did it I conquered that anything that comes my way now I can conquer because I did that I gained momentum early in the morning so I got the cold shower got up early made my bed done i've done three wins already and it's not even 5 30 yet so that really set me up for the day so if there's one thing i'd say to your listeners get a morning routine that sets you up to win for the rest of the day well i love that and that's such an amazing feeling when you conquer something that you think you couldn't and they're really you just feel invincible you feel like you can do anything so one question that I ask everyone on the show is what's one way the multi-passionates can start building a business and life around their passions? One way that, um, again, that comes down to those habits, routines, and, and 
there's a book that I've read recently called, well, actually about a year ago now called Atomic Habits. And I, I quote James Clear in my book, actually, about how he says getting 1% better each day is something that will really improve your life drastically. Uh, and because it all compounds over time, a little bit like investing money, it compounds, it builds interest. Um, and that's what I would say for multi-passionates to do. So try and aim to get 1% better each day because it may be tempting as multi-passionates to try and jump 50, 100% into something and, and have the complete package there set up and ready. But if you can aim to be 1% better and accept that you will get better, then you will build a, a a brilliant life for yourselves in the busiest of times. You know, you might just think actually 1% today, you, you're taking that a step at a time. You don't put the pressure on yourself. You don't feel obliged to do everything at once. And you know that you're going to get there one day. So just keep improving your life by 1% and actually flipping that on its head. You feel like you're at the mountaintop. You feel like you've done everything. You feel like you've won at life. You can still get 1% better each day. You can always better your best. Well, that is amazing advice. And you always tend to neglect the small improvements, but that's how you reach the big goals just by doing one little thing at a time and getting a little better every day. Is there anything else that you'd like to mention before you wrap up? Uh, yeah, just um, if you don't mind, yeah, just saying thank you to everyone for obviously for listening and, and to check me out on um, Instagram uh, or LinkedIn. You know, I'm happy to, to talk with people if anyone's found any value in the advice i do appreciate it uh, and i hope that you can send some comments my way to see how it's affected yourselves and obviously you're already listening to a podcast that's really going to help you on your journey with multi-passionate so so yeah just you know try to expand as many different you know ideas as possible uh and yeah just check me out on instagram at the purpose cycle uh if you want to to learn a little bit more but yeah thank you so much it's been a real pleasure to speak to you today and for anyone who wants to get your book, how can they how can they get their hands on that? Absolutely. Well, it's on Amazon. I'll just uh, I know obviously we're on an audio podcast, but I'll just hold it up to you. Uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, it's, it's physically here now, which I'm really excited to share with everybody. Um, so if you want the physical copy, you can get it from there. Uh, alternatively, if you are a Kindle reader, it's actually currently on offer for ninety-nine p. So for ninety-nine pence. Uh, if you're listening in other countries across the world, 99 cents, or, or nine, um, you can get it there. And, and, and it, you know, for, for a Kindle ebook, that is a steal. But if you want the physical form, it's also on there as well. Amazon's the best place to get it from. But you can also go to my website, thepurposecycle.com, for blogs, additional bonus chapters, and much more. Well, that is an amazing deal. And of course, we're going to put all the links to everything you mentioned and to contact you in the show notes below. So check those out. And thanks so much for being here, Jonathan. This has been such an amazing interview. And all the listeners are getting so much value out of it. Thank you, Georgia. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Obviously, this is the type of social networking that we should be doing podcasting. It's been, I feel so empowered. So thank you for having me. I hope you found this interview helpful and inspiring. I certainly did. As always, all the links to everything we mentioned, including how to get in touch with Jonathan if you're interested in knowing more about the Purpose Cycle, are in the shows below and over the website, thetreasureswithin.net. If you feel called to do so, I will really appreciate it 
if you subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and a review. And if you have a friend who's feeling lost and doesn't know what to do with their life, feel free to share this with her to help her get unstuck and find a way. Thank you so much for listening. I wish you all a wonderful rest of your day. I can't wait to speak with you again in the next episode. Bye for now. Georgia here. I want to take a quick moment to tell you something. A few years ago I was stuck in what I call strategy hell. I was literally doing everything to grow my business. I was on all the social media platforms, doing webinars, going to networking events, writing blog posts, sending out newsletters, you name it, I did it and my business was growing at a snail's pace. It was so frustrating because I couldn't have worked any harder. I was already overwhelmed and burned out. Do you ever feel like that? It wasn't until a random encounter with a coach that I realized being in strategy hell is a form of self-sabotage. You think you're doing everything to grow your business. In reality, you're stuck in busy work because you're afraid of what might happen if you went all in or reached your goals. In my case, I had a massive fear that if I became more successful than my family, my friends and my partner, they would love me anymore and they leave me. This fear was buried so deep in my subconscious that I wasn't aware of it until I had a powerful session with my coach. And yet, the fear was running my business and making sure I'd never reached my goal. It was only once I healed the fear that I was able to double my income in a few short months. And my loved one didn't leave me. If you two are working hard, trying all these strategies to go to the next level in your business, you don't need one more strategy. You already have all the strategies you need. If nothing is working, it's because there's a limiting belief that's sabotaging all your efforts. Maybe like me, you're afraid that if you are too successful, you won't fit in with your friends and family anymore and you lose them. Maybe you don't think you are good enough at what you do and are afraid that if you put yourself out there in a big way, you'll be exposed as a fraud. Or maybe Deep down, you don't believe you're worthy of money and success. Whatever it is, trying to grow a business with these limiting beliefs running in your subconscious is like driving a car with a brake on. No matter how hard you try, you're going to stay stuck where you are. If you want to go to the next level in your business and reach those big income and business goals that have eluded you up until now, you must first heal all those limiting beliefs and all stories that are sabotaging you. Once those self-imposed limitations melt away, you'll be able to step out of strategy hell and confidently take action towards your goals. Those tasks that used to feel hard or scary, like going live on Instagram, doing sales calls, 
for being a regular guest on podcasts will now feel easy and fun and you'll be able to reach your goals with ease. If you know deep down that healing those limiting beliefs and old stories is the missing piece in getting the results and money you want in your business and you are ready to drop the hustle and step into your six figures mindset, I invite you to book a discovery call with me. On the call, you get coaching on the number one limiting belief sabotaging your success and keeping you from reaching your next income level. And if we both feel it's a fit, you'll discover how we can work together to heal the limiting beliefs that are sabotaging you so you can finally build a wildly profitable business from your passions and enjoy financial location and time freedom. Remember, the world needs all of your treasures. It's your time to get out of your own way so you can do the work you are meant to do in the world and live a life of freedom on your own terms. These one-on-one calls are limited, so if you are ready to finally make your vision board become your reality, click on the link in the show notes and book in today.